everybody. Welcome to the next Sustainability Advisory Board meeting. Um, it's 5.32 on Wednesday, November 10th. So we will call the meeting to order. Um, Jasmine just informed me that it looks like we have quorum. So if we have to vote anything tonight, then we will be able to do that. Um, let's see, what was our... So tonight, um, I'll have Jasmine explain the um, meeting procedures for Zoom and, and people in person here. So go ahead, Jasmine. Thank you, Chair. Uh, my name is Jasmine Moore. I'm the Sustainability Director for the City of Lawrence. And um, I will be running the, the Zoom portion of the meeting uh, tonight and facilitating that piece and interaction. So um, we have two board members in, uh, in the room, in the city commission room. And uh, if other members of the public show up, I will help to make sure that they uh, can interact with you all as well. Um, for those that are on Zoom, uh, I will just remind you to go ahead and mute yourself unless you are ready to actively weigh in. Um, for members of the public, uh, if you would um, give me an indication that you want to give public comment by using the Zoom feature to raise your hand or uh, turning on your camera so that when, it, when I invite you to uh, give public comment, that will be another indication that you're ready to participate. Um, it, I, everyone will stay muted for the most part. Um, if you come off of mute and there's some background noises, I may mute you uh, so that we can uh, continue on the discussion without distractions. Um, there will be opportunities to give public comment on the agenda items listed and uh, as well as if you are going to uh, give public comment on an item that is not on the agenda, then we would ask that you wait until the end of the meeting to provide that public comment. Um, if you are on the phone, I think we have maybe one person on the phone, you will need to press star six to mute and unmute yourself. So if uh, you are going to participate, then you will need to do that before you can uh, join the conversation. So uh, another reminder, if, if you would just announce your name and if you're a board member, um, announce that as well each time you speak so that those that are just listening into the meeting uh, without the visuals can, can keep track of who's speaking. For any action that is taken, um, there will need to be a roll call vote and a verbal indication from each member. Um, right now, there are not any action items on the agenda, but if there is something that you all decide to take action on, that will be necessary. So with that, I will turn it back over to the chair for the first agenda item and let me know if you would like me to introduce that. Okay. Um, so this is Maka Quad Chair. Um, it doesn't look like we have any minutes to approve from our last meeting. Um, glad to have Jasmine back though. And um, so it looks like on our first agenda item, um, we have a presentation and a discussion for commercial utility scale solar energy conversion systems. And yes, I would love for Jasmine to introduce that to us. Great. Thank you, Chair. Uh, Jasmine Moore, Sustainability Director. Um, this is a topic that has 
been discussed by the Planning Commission uh, in the past months and some other um, people in the community. And so we thought it would be helpful for this group to be informed about the conversation related to establishing zoning regulations for commercial and utility scale solar energy conversion systems. Uh, and so we've invited Mary Miller, who is a city county planner, to come and just share with this group the, uh, the current status of those conversations and uh, also share uh, some other opportunities to, to get involved. So Mary, I will turn it over to you. And let me know if you need to share your screen and I can make that happen. I did not bring any visuals. Um, okay. Mary Miller, planner. And um, I'm currently working with an ad hoc committee of the Planning Commission. Um, we took the draft standards to the Planning Commission in June, I believe, and they returned it to us with some directions for changes. So we took it back in August. And at that time, they established an ad hoc committee of four commissioners. Three of them, I believe, are on the meeting today. Jim Carpenter is the presiding officer. And then we have Karen Lilly and Sharon Ashworth. And Gary Rexroad is another member. He's just not here today. And so zoning and code staff and uh, myself and the ad hoc committee members have been working since the August meeting. And uh, basically what we're trying to do is to develop standards before any applications are submitted. So we know there are people interested in submitting applications. They've agreed to wait and let us develop these standards. It'll just make everything go smoother. And as you noted, the standards are called commercial scale, commercial utility scale. Well, as you went through the process, members of the public mentioned it might be nice to have five acres, you know, the smaller kind of like cooperative systems. So we've actually included small scale solar energy conversion systems and the commercial utility scale. Um, the standards will be pretty similar. There's a few things that only apply to the really larger ones. Um, but if you're five acres and you're, for instance, a group of neighbors got together and decided they wanted to create their own electricity rather than just one person having their solar panels on their roof, they would go through the small scale. It would still require a CUP and that can go up to five acres. And Baldwin City has a small um, system in their town that uh, feel free to go look at it. They, if you call them, they'll probably give you a tour. I believe Evergy is the one that uh, gave the tour for Karen, but she could tell you later. And you, and you can see what one looks like. So I'll let them, some of the committee members talk about this a little further and, and maybe we can just all chip in if you have questions. But our goal is to facilitate solar energy conversion because it's very important, but we also want to protect the interests of the people living in the rural portion of the county. So we don't want something that's going to be too impactful. And we went through and developed a lot of standards. Some of the standards are basically telling the applicant what they need to give us. You know, we need all kinds of plans. We need reclamation plans. We need them to evaluate the situation, what kind of wildlife lives there, you know, what's going to be the impact of these systems, um, stormwater management. So the first part of our text amendment is basically telling them what plans we want from them so we can evaluate it. And we also have another section where we're looking at standards. And some of the standards we're looking at are things such as how far should a solar energy conversion system be from residences or from property lines. And uh, the zoning code staff and myself went to, uh, took a site visit to Butler County because they had a 20 acre solar system we wanted to look at. And we were quite surprised when we drove up on it because it was 
you know, they're very low. They're about 15 feet tall. So they're not imposing structures. So from the road, they were very low key. However, if you live next door, that might be different because they were set back from the roads. But it was really interesting to go see one in person and that way you got a good feel for what it was like. And so right now we're working with balancing and we're trying to fine tune our regulations that we're recommending. And we've had a lot of meetings. We've invited a wildlife biologist from K-State because um, one of our concerns and is with fencing. Um, it needs to be fenced, but we'd like to make sure wildlife you know, can still get through. We're not directing them all to the roadways. And so we're looking at the kind of fencing and what would be the impact on wildlife. Um, another thing we're looking at, um, well, we had grazing, um, grazing groups, and I was not at that meeting, but uh, there are people that have associations where they graze sheep primarily. And so it's called agrovoltaic. So you're doing agriculture and the solar at the same time. Um, another way you can do the joint use is having pollinator plants. People couldn't have bees. So we would really encourage that they do agriculture and solar at the same time. But if they don't, then one of our goals is that they do soil tests and they do plant crops, you know, that would help maintain the health of the soil or even improve the health of the soil through the life of the solar farm and um, have regular soil tests so we can evaluate, you know, how is the soil health doing? And that way, it's more of a land bank. At some point, if you have a new technology and we don't need these large solar systems, that uh, they could be taken down and we would have farmland that's uh, in good shape, that's been preserved. And one of the issues is, is there a limit on how much solar farms or people don't like that term. It's just hard for me to say solar energy conversion systems over and over, but I'll just say solar systems. Is, is there a limit to how much acreage we should have for a solar system in Douglas County? Should we limit each one? If you have five applications, should we limit each one to a certain acreage? Or should we kind of consider how much agricultural land we think we need in the county, how much open space, and how many acres we feel would be available? Um, we don't have regulations like that for other uses. And I think the reason we're considering it is the first application they came forward is for a really large facility. And we hear they're thinking about 1,500 acres. And so that put the size in our mind, which normally that we probably would have thought we'll just deal with that on a case-by-case -case basis. And so those are some of the things we're looking at. And I know we've requested um, the input from the Sustainability Advisory Board to the commission, um, you know, looking at our standards and, and definitely input to us if you see something we need to change based on what we're recommending, you know, um, some of the evaluations we're doing, some of our concerns with soil testing, chemicals. Um, after talking to some of the experts, it doesn't appear they use a lot of chemicals, but we are putting standards in place that if a solar panel is broken, you know, and, and it's not removed within a certain amount of time that they do soil tests, so make sure no chemicals have leached into the soil. So that's kind of a um, summary of of what we're looking at. And we can go in more depth if you have questions, but I think maybe um, Jim Carpenter might want to speak. He is our presiding officer on this amendment. And Jim, did you want to go ahead? Well, thanks, Mary. Um, I'd ask Karen and Sharon to open up their videos to might jump to them. But essentially tonight you're getting a preview of what we're going to be doing Monday night at the Planning Commission meeting. Uh, we have a whole night that we're only going to be discussing this matter. 
if you go <clears throat> to the agenda packet for Monday night, you'll see we're up to 203 pages. Um, I'm assured we're going to have many more because <laughs> there's going to be a lot more coming out, including all the communications we received and links to lots of articles we reviewed. But I'll tell you right now, the, the ad hoc committee has been pretty busy. We've been meeting once a week. Um, we've had a couple of skips because of scheduling. We've been, <clears throat> some of us have been out to two community meetings in the southeast part of the county where this first, well, the most public possible request is. And if any of you have been watching the paper, you'll see there's a company called Nextera that has proposed up to a 3,000 acre solar facility that crosses the county line. Uh, between Douglas and Johnson County. So Johnson County is also involved in working on regulations right now. Um, it's kind of amazing that we don't have any in the state yet. So we're kind of at the forefront of that. We've, some of us have been to the Johnson County planning meetings to see where they are. We've been watching their agenda and gathering information that way also. Our county staff has met with Doug, with Johnson County planning staff and also with Sedgwick County planning staff in the Wichita area. We are trying to look at this from every perspective we can so we can have balanced regulations. We have competing land use values here. Um, one is we all want to see an increase in solar energy production to reduce non-renewable resources use in that in the energy sector. But at the same time, Douglas County is blessed with some of the best agricultural land in the country. And so we have the competing value to maintaining agricultural land for food production now and in the future. And we also have um, the same ground, which is mostly flat and open, is where cities will want to expand first. And if you look at what's happening in Johnson County, the cities in Johnson County are also all pushing for keeping these facilities at least three miles away from their city borders so that they have room to expand. They seem to be emphasizing more the capacity to build more housing and to grow their cities. Uh, with our comp plan, as you know, we're looking at it from the other way. We're trying to reduce our footprint with higher density and be more sustainable into the future. So what we're looking from you is if you could look at this and kind of ask whatever questions you have about what we've been doing and where we think we're going. And we'd really want your input from your perspective as a commission. I know we've also are in communication with the Food Policy Council and others. And we're hoping that on November 18th, I guess next Thursday, that some of or all of you can join us at our ad hoc committee meeting where we can have a more in-depth discussion at that time, although we can do as much as you want tonight. Um, I don't kind of losing track of how much materials come to us and how many meetings we've been going to. But just as an example, as Mary mentioned, we've met with a wildlife biologist, we've met with agro solar 
people, specifically sheep grazing. We've heard from engineers and companies that help build these facilities. We have, gosh, we just had a meeting last Thursday night with Douglas County Emergency Management and all the fire chiefs for the county, for all the townships and the cities, to get their input as to safety concerns. We've spent a lot of time just talking about fencing. Um, I feel like we're still just scratching the surface, although we're getting a pretty good set of regulations put together. Uh, thanks to the county staff, Mary and Tanya Voigt and uh, Ben Harris and Dre Taylor have just been fantastic in collating what we've been doing and getting it into the reg form for the presentation. Our process now is we're going to present where we are to the Folk Planning Commission Monday night. We're going to take questions and comments from the rest of the commissioners and have a discussion. Then we'll take public comment for however long that goes. And then we'll have further discussion about are we missing anything? What do we need to look at more? And we'll have more ad hoc meetings uh, over the time. We're in no big rush to bring back the final version for a full vote with a recommendation to the city to the county commission. So we, cause we wanna be very careful about this. Um, what else? Oh, the process right now, we're only looking at the regulations under which a company could request what's called a conditional use permit. And those are a separate process altogether. So right now we're creating the rules like the county or the city development code um, to have for a, you know, the basic criteria for solar facilities such as this. We're hearing a lot of concern about a project by NextEra that, you know, no application has been filed because there are no rules for them to file an application under yet. So we're going to hear a lot about concerns about what the impact is on Southeast Douglas County uh, Monday night, maybe to the detriment of not hearing from the other parts of the county where this could also be proposed. But um, things that we're looking at down there are, I don't know, it just goes on and on. How many, how close to the houses, uh, how many sides of a property can these be on? Um, we've had questions about bird migrations. We've had all kinds of issues that have come up when we're trying to do the research on all of this. So I guess, you know, I'll just ask Sharon or Karen if there's anything I've missed. And it looks like Karen is in the midst of a thunderstorm, but uh, we'll go for that and then just open it up and ask if anybody has questions that we can answer. Cause one of us is probably going to be able to tell you what we've looked at so far on a particular issue or wait, that's a new issue that we have to look at. So we, we certainly are looking for as much input from as many different perspectives as possible. I just add that after November 18th, I think we're having a work session with the County Commission to present where we are on December 1st. And then I think it's December 2nd that we're actually having representatives from potential applicants meeting with the ad hoc committee. Is that correct, Mary? Is that the one that's set for December 2nd? I think it is right now, right okay. after that. 
and, and then after that, people decide what else we need. Right. And so that there's still a lot of chance for input. Um, this is by no way a done deal. And like I said, it'll probably come back to the Planning Commission for more public comment and possibly a vote on recommendations to the County Commission in February, January, February. I don't know how we'll make it by January because of the truncated periods with holidays, both this month and next month. So maybe February, and then after it goes to the County Commission again, it'll go through this round and the County Commission will either send it back to us uh, to do more or go forward with it. But that's another chance for public input at that time. So with that, uh, Karen or Sharon, is there anything else that I missed that's blatantly missed right now? <laughs> Uh, Karen Willie, Planning Commissioner. No, Jim, you did a great job. Uh, forgive my venue. I'm multitasking while my daughter's in an activity. Um, the only thing I would add is that um, because we're looking at something that is such a large footprint, the only thing, the only land use we have in the county that covers this kind of land would be cities or agriculture. There, it's it's huge. If we're talking about potentially a thousand acres or per project, or you know, I mean, all of that is just penciled in. We can talk about whatever scale we want to, but even minor issues with erosion or wildlife become large issues when you spread it out over such an area. So I think we're doing a great job, if I can say that. Um, we're spending a lot of time in the community uh, asking questions, listening, hearing people's questions and researching those. So all of us have put in a lot of time with meetings and we're really glad to um, have you guys take this up as a, as a a topic and ask us anything and ask staff anything and then come back with with other questions or give us a chance to answer those when we meet on the 18th. So thank you. This is Michael Claude Chair. Thank you guys so much for that presentation. Um, I'm sure the board has a lot of questions. So um, yes, yeah, so I'm going to open it up to the board to ask questions to this group. Hi, this is Kay Johnson. I'm the Sustainability Advisory Board member, and I applaud um, Douglas County for spending the time um, to really thoughtfully look at these regulations. Um, we really do want and need uh, solar energy to be utilized as much as possible. So it's great that you're looking at the various um, competing interests and trying to come up with an equitable way to um, deal with this because I, I do support um, the solar projects and of course I support wildlife protection and agricultural development as well as housing development. So. Um, you know, all of these are competing interests and, but it sounds like you guys are really trying to look at all of the angles. So I really appreciate that um, from you planning commissioners. So thank you very much for that. And that's all I have to say. I was just going to mention one thing that came up when we were talking. A lot of people in the area, especially specialty crop growers, were very concerned about would the um, solar farm be putting herbicides or pesticides down and that would impact their crops? And so there were two factors in that. Well, one was 
the uh, extension office suggested we check with the state because they said they didn't believe anyone except the state could regulate pesticides, and that is the case. So we had agreed, you know, to prohibit certain pesticides, but we're not able to do that. But then the other proponent was if we're having them plant just uh, native grasses or short-term grasses, they really shouldn't have to use a lot of pesticides. And um, so I think naturally, we weren't able to do anything that would really reassure and mostly like grape growers or people with crops that the drift would bother. There's nothing we can do to really reassure them that they won't apply anything except we don't think it'd be necessary for what they'll be growing. Um, but we did add a requirement that if they do apply pesticide, it has to be by a certified applicator, you know, someone who's certified to do that. So hopefully that would help. But that was, that was one of the items that was brought up that we thought, well, yeah, we'll just include that in our standards. But then we found out that we just don't really have the ability to do that. Uh, well, I have some questions. This is Michael Gladchair. Um, I'm wondering about the, first of all, how, how did you cite this piece of land? It's not, um, is it a piece of land that could be used for agricultural purposes? Um, and then how is the, how are the solar structures going to be built? Um, if they're ground mounted, you're going to have to dig into the ground a certain amount and then, um, you know, I guess fill it back in. That's going to cause a lot of erosion, um, dust, air pollution. Um, you know, uh, when these are mounted, what is, they're going to be movable, I'm assuming. They're going to be able to stand up against hailstorms or um, move to, for lighting reflection, um, you know, that affects, uh, that affects the albedo of the land, um, you know, that which could contribute to a heat island effect. Um, these are some of the questions that I have. Have they been asked to you guys? Yes, and you covered quite a lot there. Oh, sorry, Jim. Uh, Karen Willie, Planning Commissioner. Um, as far as siting of the land, that's something that as, as uh, from the planning perspective, we don't have that much control over. So we get an application for a company that has chosen a particular piece of land and then we have to work kind of within that request, which we can still you know, ask for, ask for um, you know, certain parts of the land to be protected. And a lot of that is, is in the code. Um, and in any part of the county could be targeted for this. So we just have one project that's kind of been in the um, popular imagination because we've been hearing about it a little bit, but I think there are others in the works also, we just know less about. As far as how they mount uh, the structure for the panels, uh, for the most part, their preference, which is also our preference, would be that they um, have soils where they can, um, they push these into the ground without having to excavate and put in concrete. Um, unfortunately, that also means that that is more possible on better soils and less possible on you know, steep soils or rocky soils. So there is a direct competition between land that's good for solar and also you know ecologically good for solar that also is good for agriculture or housing, all of those things. It is definitely a competing value. Um, you asked more questions and those are all that I can remember. So I'll patch, pass the rest to Jim. Jim Carpenter, Planning Commission. Um, we have had all those, I think most of those issues have come up from either public discussions or otherwise. We've been looking at what the impacts are as far as heat, glare, uh, those types of things. Some of the materials that aren't posted with our packet yet, uh, but will be relate to some of those, such as the impact of hailstorms. Um, 
uh, <clears throat> County Code Enforcement Officer Ben Harris has been collecting, you know, horror story articles from around the country about solar, you know, hurricanes and voltage leakage into the ground and hailstorms and all of that so that we can look at that. Uh, part of that is, as Mary stated, the requirement that damaged solar panels, we have to get them identified and out. Most of the solar panels now are silicon based, so they aren't as toxic as the CAD, as some of the old ones that had cadmium in it. But we are talking about requiring some soil testing at the start and uh, conditions under which that could be done along the way and then at decommissioning. I, this might be a good time just to put this whole thing into some context. For the last three years, at least one company has been getting private landowners to sign option leases for the use of their acreage to for placement of these solar facilities. Um, those all have non-disclosure agreements in them, but the community out there kind of is pretty savvy about where these are and where they aren't. It's mostly the larger landowners are willing to lease at least some part of their acreage for this, mostly along the major transmission line that goes cuts through the county. And that's that's mostly because it's less expensive for the company to hook up. They won't have to build additional lines to get to the transmission lines. Um, So, you know, that's all happening before we even know that somebody's going to request a conditional use permit. Then we have the conditional use permit process where we will evaluate a specific request to make sure it's in compliance with our regulations. It's in the spirit of the comp plan. All the other things that we always look at with a conditional use permit, which has its own public input. Uh, process in it. We're talking about up to a mild notice area that everybody will know what's happening. And then we'll get into specifics about, no, this is, we don't like it here. We don't like it there. Another component we're going to be incorporating into this is on a separate track with the Planning Commission right now, which is a land evaluation survey uh, process, which will evaluate uh, agricultural land for productivity. And Karen is the head of that subgroup and Sharon's also on that subgroup. I am not, um, but that's gonna get plugged in. So when this happens, every parcel will be evaluated and that information will be part of the conditional use permit package to be examined by the planning commission before any recommendations go to the county commission. We know there's a lot of issues about decommissioning. I, disposal of this, putting the land back to the way it was before. There is a hope that by using native grasses that we will actually create some carbon sinks out there, which could help um, with native grasses. We might actually have some benefits to some of the pollinators and others by having areas that aren't disturbed with plowing and you know, agricultural uses. However, we have these big structures and we've been hearing that you know, birds will like to nest in them. Um, 
depending on what grasses are on the ground, we could get increase of ground nesting birds that could be disturbed by maintenance of the grass at that time because the companies want to keep the grasses below a certain height not to interfere with the panels. As far as we know, most of these panels will track the sun throughout the day, so they will be moving uh, as uh, the sun progresses across the sky during the day. So there are a lot of things and a lot of information out there. And like I said, we keep getting more and there will be an addition to our packet. So I think, you know, those, if you can look at some of that, if you have more questions and we're going to have another chance to meet with you next Thursday and have another discussion. Um, the ad hoc committee ones, unlike this meeting, aren't recorded because we are ad hoc, so we can be, we can just talk about whatever you want to talk about and without those types of concerns, which is a good, good way to do that. As long as you don't have more than a quorum, if you're commission present too, because we are bound by the coma requirements, so I'm not sure who will show up. But uh, just as long as you're under a quorum, we can have that discussion with all of you. So any other questions? <laughs> well, this is Michael Quachere. Like you said, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of questions. And um, I mean, if you're gonna have multiple meetings, I think that we can have further discussions with this as a sub board. Um, there's just a lot going into it. And I'm sure that there's a lot documented about other solar farms and some of their concerns, other municipality concerns. Um, you know, I, I have my, I have my concerns about pollinator habitat. I mean, you're talking about large structures and small pockets of pollinator habitat. Um, but with the the moving structures, I don't, you know, that's definitely going to impede pollinator habitat. Um, how tall are the structures and how are you going to maintain the pollinator habitat if you're going to have somebody out there, um, you know, maintaining it or if you're going to, like you said, use herbicides and pesticides to do that. Um, so there's a lot of questions that go into this um, environmental wise. Um, I, as you know, on this board, um, I know that we can't, that, you know, the city of Lawrence cannot require certain uses or certain practices to maintain these structures or to, to use herbicides or pesticides, but it's definitely something I wish that the ad hoc committee would make a priority is um, being environmentally conscious, um, being sustainably conscious, um, you know, whatever group gets hired for this, that to make sure that that's something that they prioritize too. I know it's not something that can be required, but it is definitely something that, that you know, this board would like to see be prioritized in, in, the, in the zoning, in the permitting, in the building, in the maintaining. Um, that's just something that, you know, we can learn from other people's mistakes. You know, Lawrence can be a leader in these projects if we can think up front um, and in the beginning stages of this. Um, so that's what I have to say. I, I plan on attending the meetings further and we'll probably have questions during those meetings too. So um, if we don't have any more questions from the board, um, I think we can open it up for public comment at this time. Chair, I think Stan unmuted. So I just wanted to check in. Stan, did you have something you wanted to add? Yeah, this is Stan Rasmussen, Sustainability Advisory Board member. I, I was just curious about the Glint Glare uh, 
you just kind of referred to it. Are you looking at that for impacts to the airport runways, impacts to homes? What are, what are you looking at there on Glenclair? Um, Karen Willie, Planning Commissioner. Um, so and our understanding so far, and we are still looking into things, is that the amount of glare that used to be a, an issue with solar panels is a great deal less as the technology has improved and they're actually capturing more of that solar input. Uh, so it's in their interest to capture as much as they can with the panels and therefore reflect less. So I think it's a lot less of an issue than it has been. Um, we're still looking to see what kind of impacts that might have on um, a waterfowl that may you know, see that and mistake it for uh, water bodies. Um, that's something we're, we're looking into. Uh, we also, the Planning Commission serves as the um, airport advisory board also. Uh, so that's an issue that, that will come before us too. Um, the areas that are being looked at uh, along the, uh, that I imagine we'll see the most uh, interest are along the um, transmission lines that have through the county and there are some I believe that run along I-70 so that would be close to the Lawrence Airport. We have a lot of rural uh, airport strips also throughout throughout the county so it's something we'll have to look at but we don't have. Thank you. Um, and I wanted to mention Mary Miller Planner. Um, one of the things I mentioned there were a lot of studies and plans that we would require them to submit and one is a glare hazard analysis so when they submit it they have to provide us information on how much glare would be provided by the solar panels and zoning and code staff really brought that up because they've got a lot of complaints recently someone put in a tin roofed barn and the neighbor was complaining because of the glare and so we want to just make sure we're not just shining glare into the neighbor even though we don't expect it to be overall a lot of glare we just want to make sure it's not something that's going to affect people nearby uh, so, heels of what Mary said, um, I would encourage everybody, this is Sharon Ashworth, Planning Commission, um, to read the, the draft that staff has come up with. Many, many of your questions um, are covered uh, in, in that draft. So it would be great to have, if you were before our next meeting, to really go through those and see what has been addressed and what hasn't. Um, but I find I think you'll find that a lot of your initial questions, um, you'll find information there. Staff has done an amazing job of covering most of these subjects. And Jim Carpenter, Planning Commission, if you look at the packet, it's the first 26 pages will be a memo from Mary about everything that we've been doing. And then also the draft regulations, which show uh, the changes that we've made over time. So at least that much. Most of the rest of what's in the packet is supplemental material that goes into drafting those regulations. But those first 26 pages, if you look at those and can comment. And um, Chair Jones, I just want to point out some of the backgrounds of the people on the ad hoc committee that we are. This is kind of different. I've got a master's in environmental studies, a law degree. Of, a BA in biology. Karen has a PhD in uh, geography and specializes in soils and is also uh, with the volunteer fire department in Willow Township. Sharon is in with horticulture. I mean, we it's we're looking at this from a lot of perspectives. And our other last member, um, Gary Rexroad, 
is giving us some good insights as far as technology and in business. So we're we're trying to cover all the bases and bring people in. But if you look at that and you still have questions, um, please raise them if there's anything holes in what we're doing, because we can bring people in and, and hear from them. Um, the issue of pollinators is kind of goes both ways. You know, if we can stick with native grasses and minimize or not have uh, pesticide herbicide use, I think we could have an increase of surface area, which can actually have a benefit. But we're also going to have some drawbacks from the structures themselves. So I don't know how it all balances out. I don't think anybody really does. These things are growing in size as time goes on. This is one of the larger ones. Uh, I know there are some bar, some of comparable size. We have a chart, also uh, a list of large solar facilities. And I'll just point out as far as the airport, this is interesting. Just recently, uh, it looks like somebody is looking into having about 2000 acres of this around the Kansas City airport. And I imagine suddenly we're going to bring the FAA into it with regulations. So whatever happens here is subject to a lot of other governmental agencies and regulations and which will be incorporated by reference. And like just our meeting with the fire chiefs and emergency management is raising a lot of issues about battery storage, uh, the requirement for yearly inspections, uh, yearly trainings of emergency responders. So there's going to be a lot of eyes on what's happening here. And we're also discussing how we might build into these regulations uh, certain trigger events that might require a review and modification of the regulations, which also goes into, we know we're going to have at least like five-year review periods. Um, we're talking about having the conditional use permit go for 20 years. The industries are pushing for 30 uh, because of they claim for financing issues. Um, but I'll also say that the leases out there right now are for 30 years with uh, options to extend in 10 year increments. So we're talking about regulations and structures that could outlive all of us. So that's why we're trying to be very careful here. Um, and then we have to, what happens when we take them out? How do we get it back? Because we're talking about underground cables. What do we do with those? So as I said, lots and lots of things have come up as, as uh, Sharon pointed out, go through those regulations. You can see what we've been looking at and references. And we're still waiting for some language back from the fire chiefs and emergency management to, that we might have to put in and it's an ongoing process so and also from county legal to hear about what we can can we modify rules as we go or what procedure that would require so i hope we've covered a lot of those areas but that's why we're coming out and talk trying to talk to as many people as possible because being so close to it we might be missing something and important, and that's what we are looking for. This is, this is my Stan Rasmussen again with the Sustainability Advisory Board. Jasmine, I think you put a link in the the chat 
for the planning commission packet that planning commissioner Carpenter was referring to. I tried to click on it and it says it's a Zoom link and wants me to leave this Zoom page to go to a new mm -hmm. Zoom page. So okay. I'm not sure. It's a, I will, a I will uh, get a better link for you. Are we looking at the August 23rd, 2021 agenda item report, Planning Commission? This is Jasmine, Sustainability Director. No, I was trying to link to the November 5th Planning Commission meeting. Um, that uh, agenda wasn't posted when we posted this agenda, so uh, we didn't have a link at that point. But I will just um, include the link in the minutes, but also I'll put it in the chat here uh, to the meeting agenda, and then you can scroll down and find the um, that agenda item for more details. Let's try this. This is Steve Kramer, advisory board. Um, I am looking at an August 23rd planning development services. Uh, that's no longer relevant. It's hundreds of pages. Um, planning, Mary Miller planning. Yeah, when you get to the November agenda, it should also have links to the materials and to the meeting for November or August and June. So they are still relevant. That will show you that what we were discussing at that time. And when you look at our draft language, it's colored because we have the basic language we started with. And then in blue, I believe is language that the um, Planning Commission recommended. In green is um, changes that the County Engineer recommended. Uh, I may be wrong, let me look here, red, I'm sorry, red is changes made after the June Planning Commission meeting. Green was changes made by staff with additional research or based on the county engineer. And then anything in purple, those are changes that the ad hoc committee made. And so our goal is that after the November meeting, after we discuss with them and get their feedback, we'll go back and take out this coloring. And so the next time we take the draft back, just the new language will be colored. So it's pretty confusing right now with all the different colors, but it's incorporating what was in the August information. And I just wanted to mention that there's one new feature. We're trying something new because we have so much research, research documents and that um, it would be overwhelming to just add them all to the packet. So Ben Harris with Sonian Codes is making a spreadsheet where it has a, a directory and you can go in and find the subject. So he's divided it by topic and then there's links to all our research materials. So rather than 500 pages of materials, you'll just have that one page where you can go in and find things and we'll just, if this works well, we'll keep adding to it. We've never done it like this before, but I think it's gonna be really user-friendly. Jim Carver, Planning Commission, that came out to the ad hoc committee uh, from Ben this afternoon and I played with it. It is easy to use and it's pretty impressive. It's, you go down or down the column and it's all the different topic areas. And like I said, and then going out to the right is multiple links. And I'm sure this will just continue to grow. And I, and I will also say, if any of you have any uh, links to articles or papers that you think would be helpful for us, please send them to Mary because then they will get into the materials for us to look at also. So you don't have to limit yourself just to showing up at a meeting, send us written comments, send us any articles or anything else you want us to look at. This is Jasmine, Sustainability Director. I just also wanted to add that um, this work is is so important because of the discussions that you all have been having as a board over these last couple of years around energy and clean energy specifically. 
um, as uh, this community uh, tries to move closer to those goals of 100% renewable energy, we know that we're going to need large scale utility uh, solar uh, in addition to wind. Um, and we know that, you know, the, the federal conversation around this uh, is moving in this direction too. So we know that, that Kansas is an ideal spot to, to um, increase the amount of renewable energy uh, in our community and the country. And Douglas County has an opportunity to, to be a leader in the space and do it in a way where um, we are balancing all these different um, values. And so I just want to, uh, again, express gratitude to the staff that have been working on this, um, the ad hoc committee, the planning commission, uh, and everybody in the community that's given input so far, because we know that um, as Douglas County's working on this, we know that Johnson County's working on it, uh, Sedgwick County's working on it, and others are going to look at the regulations that this county puts together. So um, I just wanted to, you know, bring it back to the priorities that this group has been talking about for years, uh, and this is the, you know, the application of some of the policy recommendations that you've, you've been talking about. Um, so. This is Michael Claude chair. Thank you so much, Jasmine. I appreciate that. Um, and thank you guys for, for your presentation, for all the information. Um, definitely look through that and, um, well, you know, maybe as a board, we can send some more questions um, after we've reviewed and discussed things. But um, I would like to, to um, open it up for public comment. And um, so I'm going to let Jasmine take over and see who has uh, public comment. Yeah, so just as a reminder, this is Jasmine Moore, Sustainability Director. If you are on Zoom, uh, there's no one here in city commission room, but if you are on Zoom and would like to give public comment on this item, if you would um, raise your Zoom hand, I see one so far, uh, and then I will call on you and you can turn your camera on if you're able, and um, then you will be able to share. So Noah, you're up first, and then Dorothy will go. Uh, hi, my name is uh, Noah Hookstra. I'm a resident of Lawrence. Um, I'm also a member of uh, Sunrise here in Lawrence. Um, I just want to say I'm really encouraged um, by what I've heard so far. Um, the balanced approach between, you know, both sustainable energy and sustainable environmental practices is really encouraging. Um, the It sounds like you guys are doing your homework, which I really appreciate. Um, my uh, I guess I really, you know, like you said, I should probably read that document. Um, it probably has these answers. Um, but uh, I guess my question is, when you're talking about potential environmental deg degradation, what are the potential consequences of that? If a user, you know, allows a solar panel to have voltage leak into the soil or the soil quality significantly decreases, what are what are the next steps, um, right? Because we can have standards, but um, they're only meaningful if we can enforce them. Thank you. Thanks, Noah. Dorothy, you're up next. Hi, everybody. I'm, I'm doing what Karen's doing, double duty in my car today. Uh, Dorothy Barnett, I direct the Climate and Energy Project, um, Kansas-based nonprofit. I, I know most of you on the call, and I've addressed the Sustainability Board on different topics before. 
you know, the thing that I that I want to say is number one, I, I value and appreciate the hard work of the of the planning commission and of the ad hoc committee. I was able to uh, listen in on one of the agrivoltaic conversations, um, and and it's obvious that you all are doing doing good work and doing your homework. One of the things that I want to just just say though is, um, if Douglas County ends up putting in regulations that halt in some way large-scale solar, utility-scale solar, you know, in, in Kansas, in what is considered the most climate-friendly county in the state, um, I'm not sure that we get it built anywhere. And, and we know that in order to meet our climate goals, um, we have to have all renewable energy. You know, you all have been very clear in your support for 100% renewable energy, um, and we've seen, you know, good development across the country. It's possible. You can do it. You can do it with agriculture practices intact. But what we really have to be cautious of, I think, is allowing fear or misinformation to guide our decisions. And so I just would caution you that some of the rhetoric we're hearing. Um, is just that it's rhetoric. It's not based in science. It's not based in fact. It's based in misinformation. And so, um, appreciate the due diligence that you're doing. Please keep doing that. But make sure that it's not just somebody's opinion. Um, make sure that it's information based in fact. Um, we know that Kansas is poised um, to get perhaps 11 gigawatts of utility scale solar over the next decade. Evergy wants to put in 3.2 gigawatts. We want them to retire their coal plants. But if we say no to large-scale renewable energy, I'm not sure we are able to, to retire the coal plants. So just, just appreciate you thinking about that and always happy to be a resource with, with information that, that can be utilized um, as you make decisions further. Thanks, Dorothy. This is Jasmine, Sustainability Director. Uh, just another invitation if anyone else on Zoom would like to give public comment on this item, um, raise your Zoom hand, or if you don't know what that is, uh, just turn your camera on and wave to me, and uh, that way I'll know that you're up next. Okay, I see Michael Allman, you're up. Hi, good evening, everybody. This is Michael Allman. I'm with Sustainability Action Network. Um, yeah, I want to thank the Planning Commission and the Ad Hoc Committee itself for being so thorough in your research. Um, I do want to point out, though, that this is not a zero-sum game. It's not, as Ms. Barnett pointed out, saying no or yes to solar. It's a matter of how we balance all these elements. And the ad hoc committee is doing a wonderful job looking into that. Um, I also want to point out that the Sustainability Advisory Board yourself, you have a long history of promoting sustainable food in our county and preserving our excellent world-class soils. Um, you've worked on developing the urban agricultural uh, regulations, as well as a county food systems plan. Um, this is not just about 
renewable energy. We do want renewable energy. We want as much as we can get, but the question is how we do it, not whether we do it, it's how we do it. And one of the main questions of that how is a matter of scale. Next Era has proposed a 500 megawatt facility that spans both Johnson County and Douglas County. If you look at their website, it shows an, an area that they would cover with glass of 3,500 acres. The rule of thumb is that one megawatt of solar energy generally requires seven acres. It all depends on the efficiency of the collectors, of course, but that's the rule of thumb. So 500 megawatts times seven is 3,500 acres. If you look at the map, that covers five and a half square miles. So utility scale is one thing. Um, overbuilding and excess scale is another thing. There's a, a person who has a information in the Planning Commission packet. He's from California, and I'm not sure why he's pitching in on this, but he's indicated that there are currently 969 utility scale solar projects in the United States. If you go to the packet and look at that list, you'll see that there's maybe a dozen or two dozen that are not even 500 megawatts. They're the maximum of 300 megawatts. Most of them are 125, 250 megawatts. Other than those two dozen or so, all the other utility scale projects on that list are 10, 15, 25 megawatts. This is an enormous project that NextEra is proposing. And what, what the Planning Commission is trying to, de to determine is how do we protect our prime soils and keep, keep the solar at a scale that will preserve that prime soil as well as doing agrivoltaics, growing specialty crops under the collectors, not between the collectors, which is a good thing to do, but also under the collectors. Um, that's a matter of design. Um, and one final thought, Jim Carpenter just mentioned for one thing, and this is true, some of these structures could not, uh, could outlive all of us. When they talk about decommissioning, that's something that might happen in 20 or 30 years when the collectors lose efficiency. Well, based on the um, investment uh, proportion of any given project, the collectors themselves are probably 20 to 25% of the overall cost. In 30 years, those collectors are gonna be replaced for a fraction of what the original project cost. And those collectors are also going to be probably twice as efficient as today's collectors. So potentially the solar company or the utility, whoever owns the project, um, will see their profit uh, double or triple if they keep the project going. They're really not going to just take the collectors down and walk away and decommission it. Most of these projects, once they're in, will be in for a very long time. And that agricultural soil might be very nice soil, but it's not going to be productive ever until those collectors go away. So 
the question of decommissioning is kind of a red herring. If, if the landowner who is leasing the land wants to pull out and have them removed, then they'll be decommissioned. But it's very unlikely that the solar company itself will walk away from that potential enormous amount of profit. Um, so the devil's in the details, the devil's in the scale, uh, in balancing all the various factors. Uh, keep in mind that um, sustainability, uh, it, it has many faces and inc includes many elements of the way we live. And uh, our energy source is only one of those. So let's do this in a way that um, we can have them maybe smaller scale, spread around more, um, more available in different parts of the county. Uh, that's, that's the kind of um, standards that the Planning Commission will be coming up with. So thank you very much, all of you, for your effort. Thank you, Michael. Uh, Karen, I saw you unmute. Did you want to add anything? No, I'm sorry, my internet is just unstable. Okay, okay. Um, okay, uh, Kim, I see your hand is up. Did you want to add something? I just wanted to add if it, if it hadn't oh, wait, been mentioned. Well, make sure you introduce yourself. Thank you. Um, Kim Kreiner Ritchie, um, Lawrence Douglas County Sustainability Office. Um, I just wanted to add uh, for the Sustainability Advisory Board um, in follow-up to, um, to Michael's comments that the Food Policy Council will be in the work session with you next week on the 18th. And so, um, you know, some of these, these prime soil concerns, food system plan concerns, um, those will be in part of your informed conversation next week as well with, with those stakeholders coming um, with those values to the conversation. So, so just to let you know that that's gonna be um, added context to, that you will share in as well. Thanks, Kim. Um, Jasmine Moore, Sustainability Director. Uh, is there anyone else that would like to provide public comment on this item? As a reminder, you can raise your hand using the Zoom feature, or you can turn on your camera and wave to me to show me you want to participate. Kira. Um, I don't know if, can you, um, can you guys hear me? Yes. Yeah. I don't know if you guys answered this um, when I was out of the room, but is there a city or an example um, that I can read up on of a, of a town or a county or a state where you really like what they've done and their, their, uh, their parameters are analogous to Lawrence? And it's an example of, of what you consider a good job. So I can read up on that. Thanks, guys. Karen Willie, Planning Commissioner. I feel like we're more learning from other people's mistakes. And I think that we aim to be the community that people look to, that that's the solar that they like to have. So my goal, my personal goal for this is that not only will we um, end up with solar, usually solar in Douglas County, but they will that we will want a second one. So that's the goal is that we, we do our regulations correctly so that it's something that I would welcome Thanks, Karen and Kira. Uh, is there anyone else that has comments on this item? 
Well, Jim Carpenter, Planning Commissioner, with regard to that last question, when the spreadsheet comes out with links, there are links to many other communities and what they've done. So you could look through that. Um, and I will also just have to give a plug to Mary and planning staff here that when they met with both Johnson and Sedgwick County planners, uh, Sedgwick County already had some regulations in place, but we were pointing out things that they'd never thought of. So they're pretty much scrapping them and starting over. And we got the same kind of comment from the <clears throat> companies that build these things, the engineering firms, that <clears throat> we were asking questions that they never thought about before. So I think those are indications that we're on the right track in trying to cover all the different issues. Um, I would just, again, encourage any of those of you that are really into endurance meetings, uh, endurance contests, watch the Planning Commission meeting Monday night, and that could help inform our conversation next Thursday with, with you. <clears throat> Sharon, go ahead. Sharon Ashworth, um, Planning Commission, just one little note um, on the heel of that is that when you look at the links from other communities, um, there are some other farming communities, agricultural based communities on that list, uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota, uh, places like that. Um, so just pay attention to where that information is coming from, because a lot of times uh, references happen to be where most of the solar is, is out west, and that's a very different environment. Um, and very different systems out there. So just make sure that what we're trying to do is focus on the, the, the agricultural nature of our situation here, as opposed to a lot of the Western um, areas. Thank you, Sharon. Uh, this is Jasmine Moore, Sustainability Director. Any other comments on this item? I do not see any. Uh, so I just wanted to circle back about the, the ad hoc committee invitation to the Sustainability Advisory Board to join the, the conversation on the 18th. Um, so that is an invitation to SAB members as well as Food Policy Council members like Kim mentioned earlier. So if this is a topic that you as a Sustainability Advisory Board member are interested in digging into more uh, and participating in, in greater conversation, then, um, then you are welcome to, to join that meeting. And as Jim said, um, as long as there are less than six members, then that will uh, not be a quorum. So if there are five of you that are interested in that, then you're welcome to join. If it becomes six, then that triggers a public meeting. And um, so that's a whole nother game. So I will uh, send the information about the ad hoc committee um, timing to you all. And then uh, you, if you'll let me know that you plan to attend so that I can monitor uh, that uh, quorum challenge. This is Michael Plot, Chair. Thank you so much, Jasmine. Thank you to the ad hoc committee. Thank you, everybody in the public for showing up. Um, it's really um, encouraging that everybody's working towards the same things. You know, we're trying to do what's best for Lawrence. We're trying to be 
sustainable minded where, you know, we're trying to learn from other people's mistakes. So I like that everybody's working towards the same thing. I like, um, thank you, Jim, for giving the background of the ad hoc committee um, and the expertise you guys bring, you guys bring to that committee. Um, it, you know, helps me feel like you guys are covering everything that, you know, Lawrence citizens would be concerned about. So um, so thank you so much for all the hard work. Um, I look forward to being at the meeting on November the 18th um, to hear more about this project. Um, my question to you guys, uh, the committee now is how, um, how can the Sustainability Advisory Board help you? Um, how can we support this project um, moving forward? How can we as a board contribute? Jim Carpenter, Clay Fisher. That's a that's a huge question. You all have your areas of expertise also, and I'd like to have you look at things and bring your areas of expertise. Look at it through that and raise any questions or issues. Um, we haven't really gotten into the conversation about how many, you know, the total area that might be covered by these in the county. We're only, you know, right now we're just at the point of drafting the regulations under which a company can apply for a conditional use permit. We're kind of capping that area at a thousand acres of solar panels, which means it'll be bigger in order to accommodate all of those. Um, and each one will have its own challenges to it. So after we get the regulations in place, if we start getting applications, it would be very helpful for either the committee or the board or individuals on the board to be involved in that process and bring your perspectives to bear. Um, because we're gonna hear quite often, I don't want that near me. I don't wanna see that in place of this open field I've seen all my life. You know, those types of things we hear quite often. And, but we're really trying to look at being sustainable and becoming more and more sustainable, both in food security and in energy production as we go forward. And those are hard things. Um, for individuals to contemplate. It really takes a group effort. So I would hope that you all keep up with this, get involved um, as these come up, even if it's not near you, watch it and, and add your perspectives to it. Beyond that, I'm not quite sure what else to say. Maybe Karen or Sharon have other things that they'd like to hear back from individual members or Mary. Mary is like the, the great note taker of the world. It's amazing. We have our discussions and lo and behold, they're reduced to changes in the regulations. And it's it's been quite a process and we've really gotten to know each other and the planning staff for the county much better. And I think it's been a great way to go. I think it can only help the whole community. But as you know, membership changes on these boards and commissions. And that's why it's important that even if you're off the board,
please stay involved and watch these things because you're here at the creation of these regulations. You're going to have more knowledge than people that come after us because we're the institutional memory. So please bring that up as we go forward in the future too. Madam Chair, if I may, uh, Karen Willey, Planning Commissioner, um, the more you can read through the regulations and offer suggestions on those details, you know, is, you know, is that a good enough setback? Your, um, are those, is that the right number of acres? Just some of those details, which, you know, we, we've had a lot of big picture discussions and we have a lot of values discussions, but what we really need is to come up with, you know, the nitty gritty that we can, that, that protects our community, but also, uh, you know, allows for, you know, a reasonable company to come in and um, provide the resource that we need. So we're very glad for any input that you'd like to give us. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys for coming and presenting all this information. Um, Jasmine said she would provide everybody with the information for the upcoming meeting so that whoever is here on the um, public comment can be involved, staff board members can be involved. Um, thank you everybody so much for all your hard work and for coming and explaining this. Test. Another meeting where you have to present all your information. <laughs> okay, Jasmine, is it time to move on to the next agenda item? Thanks. So, well, thank you very much. I'm going to leave, but uh, I really appreciate it. And like Jim said, feel free to email us or get your comments to us anyway. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Um, the next agenda item, this is Jasmine Moore, Sustainability Director. The next agenda item is uh, some administrative items. So this is really just to check in about membership. Um, there are a couple terms expiring at the end of this year. Uh, Steve Kramer and Sarah are both eligible for reappointment. So if you're interested uh, in being reappointed um, and don't aren't familiar with that process, just let me know and I'll, I'll walk you through it. And then Kay Johnson was recently reappointed to a term that expires uh, in 2024. So congratulations, Kay, welcome back. Um, and then also there is one opening currently. So uh, there's one spot um, that's open now. And then, um, you know, depending on what Steve and Sarah decide to do, there may be more than one. So just stay tuned for that. Uh, and I'll turn it back over to you, Chair. Thank you so much, Jasmine. Um, Subcommittee reports. Um, I will say that um, election season is over, so uh, I didn't win, but um, that's okay. Um, you know, I, I do work, intend to work, continue working with our commission on um, sustainability efforts. Um, we got sustainability in the dialogue for each candidate and for um, as a talking point discussion throughout the, the campaign. So saying that, um, I would like to hold the climate change subcommittee meetings. Um, it seems like Wednesday um, from uh, 4.30 to 6 seems like a good time. We wanted to incorporate some of the groups that told us about their availability. So next Wednesday being the 17th will be our first climate change subcommittee for the single use plastic bag ordinance. Um, we'll be looking at language, um, re reviewing the language and um, depending on how successful that meeting is, we will 
uh, potentially be holding a second meeting so that we're not forced to um, rush through an hour and a half to get something written. So um, so then hopefully by the next sustainability advisory board meeting, we'll have some language that we can vote on and then take to city commission for the next meeting. That's the goal. So September or November 17th, um, 4.30 to 6, we will be holding our climate change subcommittee for the single bad use ordinance. If you want to come, we will, uh, I'm sure Jazz will set up a Zoom link. Um, we'll also um, give the option for meeting in person. Um, I think, can we hold it here at the city commission office? This is Jasmine Sustainability um, Advisory, or sorry, um, Sustainability Director. Um, the We will have to check the schedule. Uh, so that's my initial answer. Um, it also, I guess if it's going to be um, a hybrid, then that will, we'll have to make some decisions about what facilities could accommodate that. So we won't have to live stream it, but, um, and need all of this setup, but uh, we would need the capability to, to do a hybrid meeting. So let me look into it and I'll get back with you. Okay. I guess the secondary option would be like the library. Um, we could potentially reserve a room in the library for that. Um, so we will work on that and get the details sent out. Um, please let us know if you would like to be included on the email, the link. Um, we'll have it up on the Sustainability Advisory Board page, I'm sure. Um, and then that's why I wanted to give the dates out now so that we could have that listed. So um, any other subcommittee reports? Um, I have a question for you and also a subcommittee report. That's Kay Johnson, Sustainability Advisory Board member. This morning I sent an email to SAD members requesting that we have a consideration of our community partners um, some input from the grocery stores that are um, that some have already made changes, some are in the process of making changes about their plastic bag situation. I think it's important for us to know where they stand before we make uh, language uh, determinations on what what we would like to see. I think it's important for us to ask the grocery stores what they're doing so that we can take that into consideration. They're the biggest um, uh, impact to our community with the plastic bags. There's probably other grocery stores. I just suggested the four have a, we have a panel discussion. I would really like to see that before we go forward with specific language, uh, if that could be uh, worked into the some of the meetings. And I am on the, um, Deb Ford and I, along with Kira uh, Makakwa, were listed on that uh, original subcommittee list. Thank you, Kay. Um, this is Makakwa, Chair. Um, so in the past, I remember, and this was prior to this board, um, when I was first on the board, I don't know if we have access to that information, Jasmine, in the archives, but there was a grocery store um, like a representative from multiple from Kroger grocery stores, I believe is what it was. And um, and they came and presented to SAB when we were looking at this issue prior. I don't know if I can invite him back or if we have any contacts to invite to the subcommittee meetings. But I agree, Kay, if we can get somebody to come and, and speak with us on the subcommittee and then, um, you know, potentially have them to a SAB meeting, 
that would be great. Thank you. Um, I would be glad to uh, reach out to the various um, grocery stores. I do have a, um, because last month I did contact um, Dillon's and Hutchinson, I have a contact there. Uh, that person is willing um, to, to make a presentation or be part of a panel, um, particularly if it's a, you know, a, a remote meeting, it'd be easier for us to include people uh, that are from out of town in a remote uh, situation than rather in person. But, um, but I'd be glad to contact the other stores that I mentioned. I've got a contact at the Merck and, um, but I can make other contacts if, if others don't have suggestions for those contacts. Thank you so much, Kay. Yeah, uh, this is Mako Kwa, Chair. If you want to invite them now that we have a date and a time for this meeting, if you would like to invite them to join us, that would be great. I think having their input would be really informative. Um, I think it would be better if we have our own meeting first and develop a list of questions for a panel so that we're really um, specific about what we want to hear um, from them. Uh, I'd rather them not have to listen to our just questions to each other. Um, I think their time is valuable. And if we if we could meet first and then come up with an advance uh, a date, then they can plan accordingly. We whoever we talk to, we can plan with them accordingly and then have a specific time frame so that they know uh, what is expected of them if they can make it. That's my preference if we could do that. Um, yeah, I could agree. I agree to that. Um, so we could have our meeting next week. We could invite them and see what time their schedules allow for meeting and the subcommittee, the subcommittee immediate members can meet with them, go over the, the, you know, language that we're looking at and then ask them their inputs and then, you know, possibly hold a second meeting for um, community members to come in and, and relook at that language before we present it. Um, I'm just thinking a second meeting um, for the community partners, the grocery store, so that, and I don't see any reason why we couldn't include the public at the same time. I mean, um, that way it's just a real um, distinct, just we need to set up a, a date and a time. And if it's two weeks from Wednesday or you know, what, whatever, it doesn't matter to me, just so that I've got a date when I talk to them. Um, if they can't make it, maybe somebody else can. Okay, so let's hold a meeting next week for subcommittee members and public. And then two weeks from next week, um, let's plan to meet with the grocery store representatives that you invite and then review the that language that we that, come with. Is that Thanksgiving? Oh, is it? Oh. The week of Thanksgiving. Let's see. That's the twenty fourth. Yeah, that's the day before Thanksgiving. Yeah, I think we um, probably should push it off another into December. Okay, Maybe. so December the first, because the eighth is the next SAB meeting. And it doesn't have to be a Wednesday. It doesn't have to be a Wednesday for. Um, that meeting to take place. It was just seemed um, convenient for some of the groups that wanted to come that Wednesday worked for the, the public meeting, the subcommittee meeting. So just to find out what date 
works for the grocery store representatives, we can get that information to Jasmine as early as possible, have it on the books and um, let people know that that's when that meeting is gonna take place. Okay, cool. This okay. is Jasmine, sustainability director. Um, I would recommend that uh, if that Wednesday time works best for the committee that you start with that uh, as an ask to those commercial reps um, as a starting point. And then if it turns out that you know, nobody can, uh, nobody from that group can attend at that time, then you adjust just because I feel like it'll be challenging to, to match schedules the other way yeah, around. I, I think you're right. And so December 1st would be the date that we'd be looking at for uh, the community partners meeting. Yes. So I have Wednesday, December 1st, 4.30 to 6.30. Okay. Okay. I see Michael Allman has his hand up. Did you want to add something, Michael? Uh, yeah, please. Um, as far as the grocery stores go, um, well, now where did my, oh, here it is. Um, one of the grocery stores, Hy-Vee, was engaged in that process whenever that took place a couple of years ago. And the man there who manages it is Brett Albers. Um, and he has some ideas about, at least at that time, about the bags. So his number is 8320044. And um, maybe, Michael, would you send that to Jasmine and then I can um, get that? Oh, sure. Uh, could, but, could I put that in the chat? Yes. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll do that. Thank you so much, Michael. Okay, so that is the date for the Climate Change Subcommittee. Um, looks like Jasmine has that on the books and that will be up um, at a later date on Friday, looks like. Everybody check back to the website on Friday. Um, Kay, you said that you had a subcommittee report. I do, um, Kay Johnson, Sustainability Advisory Board Member and Team Leader for uh, the City Operations. We, um, our group, uh, Small But Mighty, we had a um, meeting with um, the Parks and Rec, one, a representative from Parks and Rec yesterday, and it was a really good meeting. I would encourage you, if you're interested in finding out about city operations, um, these meetings are really good because um, we're able to meet one-on-one -on -one with someone or, or multiple staff members, and they can actually tell us specific information about um, their groups. And um, Jasmine also participated in Allison uh, Kuntz. And we talked about um, that there are 54 parks in Lawrence. That's a lot more than I thought. And uh, we looked at their website. They've got a lot of information on their website. They focused um, a few years ago on energy efficiency lighting and um, Fortunately, they have a horticultural person that is looking at uh, reduced pesticides at their different parks. They have issues, of course, with security and um, public spaces. So they can't just let, they can't just totally go to native grasses. They have lots of issues with um, um, parks and safety, but um, we learned an awful lot and uh, we talked about um, 
the Arboretum and a lot of the programming that uh, they do at Prairie Park uh, with students. And, I, you know, we're very fortunate to have such a department with uh, their interests and so much in sustainability. I did ask about gray water and the person I was, we were talking to, which was uh, Marty Woolard, she was not aware whether or not um, the plants that are watered in the downtown area or other trees located in the circles, um, roundabouts, whether or not they're watered with gray water, I would like to see um, some gray water use for that type of activity. But we, we got a lot of really great information. So that's my report. And that's then great. the oh, next meeting, which is sorry, a, a month from um, tomorrow, which I don't have the date, Jasmine, you may have it in front of you. Um, we would like to meet with the, um, it's the uh, Metropolitan um, Planning Group. Let's see, what is their actual title? And this, of course, depends on whether or not Jasmine can make, um, uh, you know, get people from other uh, groups to uh, provide a speaker. It's the, um, it's the transportation, it's the, the long range transportation planner planning group. So yes, it's and it's they're not actually a city group. They're um, mostly it's a metropolitan. This is Stan Rasmussen, SAB member. It's probably the Metropolitan Planning Organization, the yes. MPO, and it's a an organization that or it's a entity that. Uh oh, we lost him. Uh -oh. We lost Stan. We lost Stan altogether. Um, yes, Metropolitan Planning Organization and, oh, he's, is he back on? Um, yeah, there he is. Well. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> it, it, it's an organization, uh, if I remember, because I used to sit on it. It, 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 if you have a community of a certain size, then to be or eligible for certain DOT funding, you need to have an MPO. And it's a combined organization with the KDOT, county and city of representatives on there. And the nice thing about that, uh, right now they're they've got several surveys out. So um, I'll try to find that information because that those surveys are for a walkable community and uh, communications. And I'll try to get that to Jasmine so she can send out to everyone because I think it's either this Friday or Monday uh, is their uh, last date for taking uh, information. Um, I, I was able to talk to them uh, at another meeting this week. So I know about that already. This is Jasmine, Sustainability Director. Yes, and in fact, there's a meeting happening right this moment uh, that they're getting feedback for um, for that process. So I'll be happy to send that information out to the board. Thank you, that'd be great, Jasmine, appreciate it. All right, this is Makakwa, um, Chair. If there's no other subcommittee reports, um, we can move on to staff reports from Jasmine. 
All right, this is Jasmine Moore, Sustainability Director. Uh, for the staff report today, I wanna focus on our climate action plan. Um, we uh, are rolling out uh, all the public engagement efforts. Um, wanna highlight, as I mentioned before, that we're partnering with the Sunrise Project and the Climate and Energy Project. And they have hired 10 folks from the community who are um, tasked with doing some of that deeper uh, story collection uh, type of engagement so that we can really hear the stories about why climate is such an important issue to uh, plan for uh, on the community level. So um, I wanted to share my screen so that you can see some of the resources that we've put together. So this is our, our project page and you can get there by just going to lawrenceks.org slash climate. And uh, it's a, um, a site that is intended to be pretty easy to navigate. Um, we have a community survey. So really the, the most important thing you can do is take this community survey to get started. Um, we also have uh, materials in Spanish as well. So we have a whole Spanish uh, site, uh, as well as um, most of the materials and, and outreach um, materials are in Spanish. Um, this site is organized in um, different sections. One is just understanding why we're doing this plan, uh, how people can get engaged by building the plan together, and then getting into the data of climate um, risks and vulnerabilities, as well as resilience. And then of course, a way to contact us. So um, we have a video that's like a minute long to explain the process in case that would be e an easy way to share with others about um, what it is and, and what it's about. Um, the about section uh, outlines how it's connected to other planning efforts, specifically our long range transportation plans. So those planning commissioners that we just saw and heard from, um, it's directly connected to this larger work uh, and larger conversations that we've had in our community. And uh, there's a link to the, um, the, the even larger regional action, climate action plan that was done for the Kansas City metro area plus Douglas County. So there's lots of great information in there. Just as a reminder, that's really high level guidance and provides somewhat of a menu of options. And our process is to create a locally specific climate action plan that makes sense for our community. Uh, we have a timeline here, which we've talked through before and the guiding values for our plan. And then I wanted to highlight um, the engagement that's happening right now. Um, one is the, the community survey. I Last I checked, I think we had about 250 surveys in so far and right. um, more are coming in by the day. So if you haven't taken the survey, please do. It's just, I think it's 11 questions. And then we want some um, demographic information so that we can track who is, who's missing, uh, whose voices are missing from, from um, participation so that we can target those. So those, those people can have input as well. And then um, the Climate Ambassador Program is one that I want to highlight. Um, I've talked about this before, but this is a way for anybody to get involved in the planning pro or in the planning process, 
and um, talk, bring somebody else into the process as well. So the Climate Ambassador Program is for anybody in the community who uh, cares about this issue and is willing to have a conversation with their neighbor, their family, uh, someone um, they work with. These are intended to be conversations, not debates. Uh, the, these are really um, set up in a way where they can be conversational, you can learn together, and then talk about what makes sense for our community to be focused on. So we put together a guidebook that's really just 10 pages, but it outlines the different activities that you can do um, as a climate ambassador. I'm just gonna zoom in here. <laughs> And there's five activities that we've outlined and we invite you to, if you if you don't like the sound of any of these, make up your own. Um, the, they, we put together this kind of quick reference guide so you can see how much time are these gonna take. So you can make a personalized climate action plan with a group. Um, we recommend that for ages 10 and up. And this activity could take about 15 minutes or you could do some conversation starters. Uh, and that could be, you know, for ages as young as five and up. Uh, and that can take as short as five minutes. Um, we have some book club options and recommended reading. Um, one of those books is uh, Braiding Sweetgrass and that the author is actually speaking, uh, I think it's 7.30 tonight because that book is also the common book for KU and Haskell this year. And so um, there's lots of activities and conversations around that book. Um, we also have an activity where we invite you to watch and discuss something with a, a group. So that could be a video, it could be a podcast, it could be another form, it could be a video game that you play together. And so that is probably going to take more than 30 minutes um, and we recommend it for ages 10 and up. But I will say that I did this with my family and we watched the Lorax and we had discussion about that. And so really it depends on what activity and what movie you pick uh, if you're going to do a movie or a video. But um, so that age range could vary there. And then photo voice is one where we invite folks to go into their community and take pictures of things that um, really speak to connection with the environment or something that uh, is a challenge for you in your environment. Um, something that you, because sometimes we know that pictures can be worth a, a thousand words. What are the, the things that you are observing in your daily lives that uh, you want to share with others that may actually have, an, have a policy implication that you would want to share with the people that sit in this room every Tuesday uh, and make decisions about our community. So um, each of these it links to a page with uh, a one pager of instructions about how to lead the activity. And so really step-by-step -step instructions. And then the last instruction is always tell us how it went because it's not enough just to have these conversations. We would love to hear what is coming from these conversations in our community. And then if you don't like any of those and you have your own idea, um, we invite you to do that uh, and let us know how that goes um, because those are the types of conversations that can have an impact on what's included in our climate action plan and help us understand the personal connection that you have to this topic. I also want to share an example of the conversation starters. This is something that um, is really easy. 
it can be done, you know, via group text, or I've been using them to start meetings, uh, just to do check-ins with people uh, and ground us in, in this work. So essentially we provide, we have 30 slides here with questions. And so pick what question works for you, what you're connected with, decide who you wanna talk to or involve in this, make sure that you're listening with respect and then again, tell us how it went. Uh, tell us, you know, what came from that conversation. These are um, a few examples of how these might look. So one example is, when was the last time that weather disrupted your plans for work, school, events, or other things? And what happened? Uh, another one example is, the sky can be many different colors. What color of the sky makes you feel calm and why? And then a little bit deeper, what color of the sky makes you most worried and why? And what does the color of the sky tell you about the weather? And so, um, you know, some of these aren't as obvious over, you know, hitting you over the head with climate, climate, climate. But um, I have found that some of these are, um, they, there's always a connection. Uh, it may not be obvious, but when we talk about some of these things, like the, the sky question, um, when I, I, some of the stories that I've heard is that uh, beautiful sunsets are very calming, but sometimes people also uh, bring up that oftentimes those beautiful sunsets are the result of um, wildfires or other uh, air quality challenges. And so it's a two-sided um, coin there of, I know this is a beautiful thing that I'm experiencing, but I know that it's because of something else that is not so great. So especially I, I'm just thinking back to August of this year when the wildfire uh, smoke was coming from the West Coast all the way down to Kansas. And that was having an impact on the color of our sky. Uh, similarly, when we talk about your favorite food, what is your connection to that? When do you eat it? And then a little more like, have you ever had a hard time getting your favorite food when you wanted and why? and thinking about what uh, what's at play that makes it challenging. Uh, we're experiencing some of that with food, uh, with the supply chain challenges right now. And we know that those are the types of disruptions that we will experience with more, um, more climate change and the extreme weather associated with it. So um, these are some to as warm ups and then they get a little deeper uh, that, um, you know, what what do you hope will be different about this community in five years? What will be the same? What do you hope is the same um, about this community? Um, what is your relationship with the environment and how would you change that? And some that get more specific into to climate um, issues. So I wanted to uh, you know, give those as examples of easy ways to get involved in this process um, and easy ways to be a climate ambassador. We have a goal of getting 50 people signed up to be climate ambassadors before the holiday break uh, for Thanksgiving. So um, I would like to challenge each of you as board members to sign up to be an ambassador. There's, uh, you just go to the website and there's a, a button that says become an ambassador uh, and click on that. And, um, and then think about what activity you wanna do with your uh, circle or your network. Um, this is a, a, an opportunity where 
you can do as much or as little in this space as you want to. So if you want to sign up to be a Climb Ambassador and do one event, great. If you want to sign up to be a Climate Ambassador and um, have that conversation with 10 people, wonderful. Um, you know, so we will take as much help as, as you can give. And we're really looking to the community to participate and cultivate these smaller conversations uh, around climate, um, because that's often how we can make change is by talking to people that we know about things that we care about. So that is the, um, the main update on our climate action plan. Um, and as I mentioned, the community coordinators that are uh, employed through the Sunrise Project and the Climate and Energy Project are doing work right now. So they are collecting stories um, and uh, we are excited to hear um, you know, who, who they are reaching out to and, and the stories that, that they're um, collecting right now. Uh, so I wanted to also pause and see if there are any questions um, or if, if anyone is ready to, to sign up, I will, I will make that happen right now. <laughs> any questions? Okay. That's what I have for staff update. Thanks. From the advisory board, I, I do applaud the effort because uh, I think all of this is without merit unless we educate in every way we can from the plastic bags to the solar um, collection farms. Uh, education is absolutely paramount if we're going to do our job. People have to understand why we're doing what we're doing and recommending what we're recommending. And this is a great way to do it grassroots. Nice job. This is Mako Quachere, and I'm super excited about all the work that Jasmine and her team have done for this. Being able to see what our climate action plan was and then what it's becoming is, is awesome. It's, you know, what I envisioned with the community engagement and feedback, and it's I'm really happy about all the work that's being done on this. So thank you so much, Jasmine. I appreciate that. Thank you. I see Michael has his hand up. I also saw that Deb was unmuted. Deb, did, did you want to add anything? I do. I applaud the effort as well. And I went to volunteer, but I got that odd. This page appears to be missing. So if you can sign me up as an ambassador, um, please do. Will do. Okay, Michael. Hey, thank you, Jasmine. I just, I want to thank you for taking such a comprehensive approach to this planning process. It's great. Uh, but I have a question. When I um, answered the survey myself, it said survey number one. That seems to indicate you're going to have some more surveys. Uh, if so, how many? Good question, Michael. Um, this is the first. Uh, we aren't sure how many at this point. Um, but we know that there will be more. So in that first survey, we one of the things that we ask is, you know, what areas are you most interested in giving input into as we develop this climate action plan? And so it talks about different topic areas like energy, transportation, 
food systems, those types of things. And so um, that will also help indicate, you know, how many surveys you may be a part of. Uh, if you signed up for all those things, then you'll you'll get um, several opportunities to, to give us more input. Um, but even if you, well, if you gave us your email address, we will we'll reach back out to you, um, but also make the, the, you know, the next surveys publicly available. So we really want to uh, have this time, uh, especially this fall, to gather responses, uh, see where things fall. And we're, this is where we're being, um, using emergent strategy to be uh, reactive to what we hear as well. Because if there's some areas that we know we need to dig into more, we're gonna spend more time there and we're gonna do more there. So that's probably not satisfactory to you, Michael, because it's not a definite answer, but um, we are trying to be responsive to uh, the initial information that we get. And then we're definitely going to be reaching out based on the topics that you're, you said you're interested in, but we're still in that initial phase of collecting information. Um, but I anticipate that as we get into the new year, there will be, uh, you know, more, more specific opportunities to, to get into the nitty gritty of, of some of these, because the first survey, if you haven't taken it yet, we're asking you some some pretty broad questions and personal questions. We're we're asking you, you know, what's your connection to this? How much have you thought about some of these issues? And you know, what are what's your personal experience with heating and cooling, for example? What do you like about it, or what would you change about it? How do you get around town? Um, those types of things help us understand, you know, some of the challenges that. Uh, we may not have even realized are big pieces of this conversation. Um, and that's that's what we're we were hoping to to gain from survey number one so that we can figure out what the focus needs to be for survey number two and three and four. All right, this is Michael Quad Chair. Does anybody else have any questions for Jasmine? All right, moving on. Uh, future agenda items. We still have invite Indigenous Center to a SAB meeting. Um, I am particularly interested in that. One of the things that, um, one of the ideas that I had was um, bringing the Indigenous Center onto a meeting. Um, and this is just my personal um, idea is to ask the city commission to put up a plaque or put up plaques around the Haskell wetlands, um, explaining the historical significance to it. And the reason why is because not everybody knows in the community this historical significance the wetlands has to Haskell. And two, um, there was an issue a few years ago about trying to protect the wetlands, both for a sustainable purpose, but also for historical purposes. And I think that this information can help on both ends. Um, and so that's just an idea that I'm going to be pushing for. Um, I don't know if necessarily it, you know, the SAB board wants to get on board with that idea, but um, I think, you know, having a conversation with the Indigenous Center um, would be a good idea. Um, and so that would be a specific reason to invite them to a SAB meeting. So um, let me guys know what you think. Um, 
looks like Kay wants to talk. Yes, and Mac, while I had um, Kay Johnson's Sustainability Advisory Board member, this is something that I also mentioned to the Parks and Rec group. I am with environmental education. It's really important that you have uh, signage, um, you know, over our waterways in our wet wetland areas. People start to respect the natural resources if they can associate a name with a creek that they go over the bridge, uh, or um, you know, in. I know they're trying to do a little bit in the parks area, but I'm talking more in the community as general in general. And so I totally agree with what you're talking about, Macroqua, um, with um, the, all of the wetland areas around. Pe people are uh, walking and riding their bikes and uh, driving, you know, to various uh, amenities that we have in our community, and they will respect it uh, more if they can associate uh, with the history or the name or what's special about that amenity. We have some incredible things in Douglas County, um, City of Lawrence and Douglas County that, that we should be putting signage up about. And I know there's the downside is you got to have some maintenance, but I totally agree, um, Makakwa, with that. Thank you, Kay. This is Makakwa, Chair. Um, yeah, I think that um, that would be a great um, coordinating effort if Sab, Sab is on board with that. Um, to, you know, I can reach out to them and invite them to um, a meeting, talk about their concerns, you know, potentially present this project. Um, you know, from an environmental perspective, the wetlands are one of the most important aspects of, um, you know, environmental symbiosis. They, you know, in terms of flooding, in terms of um, uh, filtration, I mean, yeah. So I think protecting these wetlands are, are really important. And that's just one way that we can do that. So, um, yeah, sorry, going on on a tip rant. Um, so the role of, oh, go ahead. Does somebody else want to talk? Yeah, this is Stan, Stan Rasmussen, SA, SAB member. Uh, Makakwa, I, I love the idea of putting out signage. I, I, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer here, but my, um, I just went through fiscal law training uh, as a federal employee, and I'm not, I, I don't know the status of Haskell. Is it federal property? It, if it is, they, they may not be able under fiscal law to accept gifts. It would be something to ask them. I don't know that the city can pay for things like signage, uh, like the say the Corps of Engineers property out here at Clinton Lake. I don't think they can accept gifts of things like signage and stuff like that. Maybe maybe they can, but it'd be something to look into so that you don't go too far down that road and only find and then find out that they can't accept it. This is Quad Chair. So um, one of the unfortunate, fortunate things about the Haskell wetlands is they are located in proximity close to Haskell. However, they're owned by both Baker and KU, um, which was one of the reasons why they were able to be paved over for the South Lawrence traffic way. Um, and so there is a um, communicating effort between KU Baker and Haskell in, in protecting these wetlands. They have a lot of support in protecting these wetlands. So no, um, 
these wetlands majority they're not federal property haskell is a federal institution um so these these plaques would be more to honor haskell as a community not so much as um you know being on federal property having to adhere to federal laws and regs that's good news thank you and also i have um history with ku in developing a kiosk um, ku actually required us when we put a uh, my company put in a uh, had a joint project with um ku at a biological field station for a b hotel they required us to pay for a kiosk we paid for the signage they put what they wanted to in it and then uh, any maintenance we're responsible for. So um, KU has some pretty stiff, there, it was, it's a beautiful area, but there are some pretty, it's just not a little sign. <laughs> so. This is Jasmine, Sustainability Director. Um, apologies, I usually do a better job uh, keeping track of time. Um, we do have another meeting that starts at 7.30, which is in two minutes. So we do need some transition time so um, I would just uh, encourage you to wrap it up, please. <laughs> okay, thanks, Jasmine. Sorry about that. Um, so future agenda items, strategic plan, federal interest infrastructure bill and sustainability, and then waste streams for residential and commercial customers. If anybody wants to push this forward, please let us know. Um, sorry, we didn't get the member updates this time, but um, we did get to hear from the public, I'm assuming about the issues that they were um, about. We have about a minute, minute if we had any last public comments, maybe 20, 30 seconds for somebody. If there's anybody that would like to give public comment quickly, um, please let me know. Okay, I do not see anyone. All right, with that, then 7.29 p.m. we adjourn for our Sustainability Advisory Board. Thank you everybody for coming. Thank you to the public for joining us. Look forward to next time.